2: It's going to be scary. Not for us. All engine running. Liftoff. On Thompson, steps right, shoots for the win of three. He got it! He got it! This my first he rodeo. Westbrook
0: to the basket. Turns Schroeder around. Russell Westbrook. Gethouse, the three and the lead, you betcha. Covington, biggest shot of the game, and he hits it. In the corner, P.J. Tucker. Scores by
2: it's time to you know, accomplish something together that we haven't accomplished before. We both understand that we have one common goal and that's to win the championship. So <laughs> let's get it.
1: What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I am your host, Jackson Gatlin. You can catch me on Twitter at JT Gatlin. And of course, our show is also on Twitter at Locked on Rockets. And hey, if you guys appreciate what we do here, do me a huge favor. Subscribe to us, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, drop us a review, leave us some stars. I would sincerely appreciate it. For today's episode, we're doing a crossover with the Houston Sports Talk Podcast with Robert and Steven from over there. Great guys. I suggest you give them a follow on Twitter if you're not already doing so. You can follow them at HST Podcast. They have tons of different Houston based guests on their show all the time. They don't talk exclusively basketball. They talk all Houston sports. They've been talking, you know, the tragedy with the Texans, how great the Roughnecks were playing, all that great stuff. So definitely go give them a follow. Check out their podcast. Robert's been doing this a long time. He is a consummate professional highly recommend looking into them so without further ado we're just going to jump in to the podcast audio because they were the ones hosting this time around usually I'm the one who brings a guest in to host and then you know I pull I pull their audio and then they borrow the sound from me for their own shows or whatever they're doing this time around I was the guest on their podcast so we'll jump to that audio here right now
0: Thanks for listening to the best Houston sports podcast. This episode sponsored by any lab test. Now I'll tell you more about them in just a few minutes and joining co-host Steven Kerr and myself is locked on rockets podcast host Jackson Gatlin. Great to have you back on with us, Jackson. And if possible, I'd like to start off by throwing a couple of glass half full thoughts. If it's somehow possible at this moment in time, are you ready for <laughs> me to try to pull this thing off?
1: Look, hey, I'm okay with that. I'm totally up for it. But, you know, I do have to ask you one quick question first. Have you guys stocked up on toilet paper yet? That's that's my biggest concern.
3: (laughs) Well, I've got a little bit left, but uh, I don't know if there'll be any by the as much as I'm trying to get it. So, yeah, I'm actually doing okay right now.
0: I should be fine. I should be fine for a while. I mean, uh, you know, it's always the first thing to go when there's a virus. So I just, you know, just kind of count on that. But uh, yeah, I I don't. I still don't get that. I don't. don't All right.
1: Well, I'll I'll take your your half glass your half glass full questions. I just wanted to get that one out of the way because obviously you know the TP scandal stuff going on is that that's you know that's the hard hitting news,
3: right? (laughs) Yeah, that's more important than food, you know, right?
1: (laughs) And and maybe
0: more important than shoes, which brings me to positive number one, Jackson. P.J. Tucker announced he's opening a shoe store in Houston in October, and I don't know. Sounds like somebody who thinks he's not leaving in free agency, doesn't it? Look,
1: here's the thing is with PJ's, you know, contract situation and the fact that they haven't looked to extend him just yet. I think that's basically just Maury doing his due diligence, right? Not jumping the gun on an extension for PJ Tucker. You can maybe paint the, you know, paint the picture that he maybe did jump the gun on the extension for Eric Gordon, especially considering this season, you know, how things started off and he had the injury and, you know, hasn't really looked like the same version of Eric Gordon that we've been accustomed to but as far as PJ Tucker's you know concerned 35-year-old power forward who's been playing the five spot now that they're doing the whole small ball pocket rockets system you know I think there is a bit of a concern there but I, look I think they're going to re-sign him I think they're going to get something worked out with him and as long as he doesn't pull a Trevor Ariza and demand something like 12 million 15 million a year I think they'll get it done and you know to boot having the shoe store here in Houston is going to be pretty cool
0: yeah it just doesn't seem like something somebody would do uh, if they were like, well, I'm going to leave. I'll wait to see where my shoe store, which which place I'm going to open my shoe store next year. Yeah, absolutely.
3: Well, Jackson, I've got a glass half full for you. You know, I, at least I haven't heard anybody recently criticizing James Harden, uh, certainly not on his style of play because, well, he's not playing right now. So, uh, you know, that that's definitely something we can hold on to. Right. You know, it's
1: kind of this, you know, this this weird breath of fresh air, because, you know, even though obviously, you know, everybody would be a bit happier if we did have NBA basketball, you know, back on our TV screens and be able to, you know, appreciate the NBA season as opposed to this unprecedented stoppage in play. But at the same time, you're right. You know, no. And you don't have people, uh slandering james harden every other day you don't have to jump on twitter and say, "Oh, have i defended james harden yet today nope not today all right let me log on you know get on twitter as i'm eating my breakfast and make sure that you know all the haters out there know to uh to lay off so that is kind of another i like that glass half full when one. that one's good <laughs> yeah
0: this virus is not harden's fault so let's stop with that rumor no i'm just kidding but i'm sure somebody yeah, yeah somebody's gonna find a way to blame him <laughs> <laughs> no, my, my number two positive if, if the nba can pull off a june return and the rockets are back Isn't there one Rockets player whose knee would benefit greatly by a two or three months of rest? And isn't that player the most important X factor in any Rockets playoff run? Jackson,
1: you see where I'm going with this? Absolutely. And that's, you know, that's one of the areas that, is interesting with this whole unprecedented layoff you know we're in uncharted territory this has never happened before you know obviously there have been lockout seasons and stuff like that but you know this this specific circumstance is new and so there's so many variables to be accounted for where you look at it and you're like okay a team like the Rockets one of the oldest teams in the league yes you've got some you know you've got your stars who are maybe a little bit banged up you've got Russell Westbrook who has been doing the kind of load management program throughout the season and so getting him some extra rest would be phenomenal give Eric Gordon a chance to try and get back into some some semblance of his form right that's the one i was thinking of exactly There we go yeah absolutely i mean and and even to a lesser extent guys like pj tucker right who they shoulder so much of a load defensively for this team especially now with the new scheme you know pj tucker who who opted to not you know have surgery on that shoulder stinger against the wolves earlier this season that he suffered just decided he was going to play through it And, you know, getting guys like that a chance to rest up and be ready and healthy going into the going into the rest of the season somewhere down the line, whenever it does resume is going to be a huge benefit to this, you know,
3: really old squad. Well, kind of piggybacking on what you were saying, Jackson, is that my uh, the next half full thing that I have scenario wise, let's say the NBA season, the regular season does resume. Maybe there won't be any more back to backs and then we won't see Russell Westbrook resting one game playing another, maybe he can just play every game for the rest of the season and into the playoffs because he'll be well-rested, right?
1: I mean, I think that's that would be the the ideal scenario. And I remember digging up the numbers because I I genuinely wanted to see if there was a legitimate difference being made on the nights where Westbrook, you know, because in obviously in previous years, he hasn't done the whole load management scheme. He's, he's you know, played on second nights of back to backs and things of that nature. So I wanted to look at those numbers. And surprisingly, like historically, as a member of the Thunder, at least over the last three to four seasons, he's played really well on the second nights of back to backs. Like I remember looking at his splits thinking, wow, this is insane that on you know zero days rest he's putting up these types of numbers And but I think the eye test does justify that this season he looks springier. He looks explosive. He doesn't look like there's any sense, you know, any type of a drop off, which I know was one of the big concerns coming to the season was, okay, just like two years ago when the Rockets traded for Chris Paul, there was concerns. How are James Harden and Chris Paul going to coexist on a basketball court Two ball dominant guards who need the ball in their hands to be successful? Same questions were being applied to Westbrook. But even past that was the concern about Russell Westbrook and his athleticism. You know, when was father time going to catch up to Westbrook? Obviously, it was showing signs with Chris Paul, which is one of the reasons they traded him. But with Russell Westbrook, I think largely a lot of those concerns have been extinguished. And I think you have to attribute a large part of that to the load management program to keep him fresh. All right. That was segment one. And we will continue talking with Robert and Stephen of the Houston Sports Talk podcast here coming up in just one second. We'll tackle some more of those glass half full type questions. So you guys don't go anywhere.
2: Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: And we are back in here at Locked On Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball, doing our crossover show with the Houston Sports Talk podcast. So we'll go ahead and jump back into segment two with continued audio from that interview right now. All right.
0: This is a massive po- I mean this is a game changing positive that I got for you because when you think about it didn't what happened to Rudy Gobert in the NBA potentially save thousands of lives
1: it did and you so high right hindsight's always 2020 so you look back at the you know the stunt that Rudy Gobert pulled with you know rubbing all the microphones and you know generally making an ass of himself you know in that press conference and you had people clowning him on social media and whatnot honestly myself included you know I didn't think it was I thought it was a pretty boneheaded decision but overall had he not pulled that move and had they not canceled that game specifically the virus spread may have been you know 10 times worse at least specifically amongst you know in players. We're already seeing it. I mean, there's off the top of my head, how many different players now have been uh, diagnosed with the virus? It's like, we're in the double digits now, right guys? Yeah, Am I mistaken? I so. mm-hmm. Right. It's like, you know, a bunch of the seven to 76ers, the nets, you know, a couple jazz players, Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, obviously it's just, it, it's, it's crazy to think that that one move as stupid as it looked when he did it could, you know, like you said, potentially have saved thousands of people. And isn't it nice to have the steady hand of Adam Silver in charge of your league in a crisis? I think that Adam Silver has done a phenomenal job, honestly, in his time as commissioner, and he's dealt with quite a bit, you know, and and just just isolated in this year alone. You know, you think back to the start of the season with, you know, Daryl Morey and China, that whole situation, and then you progress through the NBA season, you've got the passing of David Stern and uh, Kobe Bryant. And then on top of that, now you've got the coronavirus shutting down the league. I mean, and that's largely just this season, you know, past that he's dealt with other things in his time as commissioner. But specifically, this season has not been an ordinary season by any stretch of the imagination. So I do think you're right. You know, Adam Silver deserves a, uh, you know, Kudos to Adam Silver, I guess, just, you know, he's doing, I think, a phenomenal job running the league and doing the right thing for the players, for the safety of all the organizations, you know, everybody involved. You might say there's
0: nobody you trust more than Commissioner Silver to know when to hold him. And know when to fold them, and I'm sure Stephen knew I had to drop in a little Kenny Rogers reference. I got to mention uh, that
3: the Gambler, yeah. The I got to mention that I'm talking
0: gambler. to him, uh, talking to you guys tonight about a mile away from where the Gambler grew up. This is where I normally record. So R.I.P. Kenny Rogers, and and let me get to my last, and this is a, a this is another big picture. I think a p- real potential positive, Jackson. If there's absolutely any way the season continues this year, we will see August basketball. Meaning this could be the beginning of the shift to a new NBA calendar starting in December shouldn't that be exciting news for the future
1: of the health of the NBA oh most definitely you know it here's the thing is everybody talks about You know, the NBA ratings and the basketball during the regular season, you know, it's just for whatever reason, it's not as popular. And I think part of that, right, is it's constantly competing. You know, you compete with the start or you're competing with uh, postseason baseball at the start of the season. You're competing with football season. You've got all this overlap during the basketball season. And so if you were to hypothetically push the basketball season back and start, say, late November, early December, or I think in some of the hypotheticals that have been thrown around, you would start on Christmas Day. Now, I, I wouldn't be a proponent of starting on Christmas Day because I think Christmas Day basketball is something special, something akin to you know Thanksgiving Day football. And so I'd say you maybe want to start the season a couple of weeks before that to give up to give some time to kind of hype the players up, you know, give them a few games of few games of reps to kind of get into their rhythm and then have Christmas Day be the first like major, you know, battle between all the significant teams kind of start building the narratives for the season. But if it does mean that this NBA season you know extends and we don't see basketball again until May or possibly June and then the playoffs and say or not playoffs, the finals in say August, then I like that. I like the idea of, you know, a shortened off season and then kicking things off in December of next year.
3: Yeah, I didn't like it when I first heard about it, but you know, the more I think about it, the more it makes sense. Because really, as you go through the summer, Major League Baseball is pretty much it, and uh, football hasn't got quite warmed up. And you know, in July, that's when training camp starts, so you start talking about it. But that's really about it. And the NBA season would be in postseason, so a lot of people would tune into that. I, I don't know. The the more I think about that scenario, the the more I wish they they would go to something like that. Jackson, have you heard a negative
0: besides the only thing I've heard of is that maybe. Uh, the international play, you know, obviously Olympics and and and, the, and that, that stuff typically happens in July. And August. is there any other anything else? And do you think that matters in, in their decision? The the Olympics, and international play.
1: I think I'm happy that I'm not one of the people that have to be behind all the logistics of potentially slating the NBA season back three months because that does seem like a bit of a headache. You know, trying to schedule the NBA season around all these other things because you know traditionally for so long now. I mean, I remember it was a big deal just stretching it from. Uh, the end of August, or sorry, not the end of August, what am I saying? The end of October, you know, starting the season now earlier in October and starting preseason even earlier so that you can space things out a bit more, get rid of some of the back to backs, that kind of thing. I remember that was a big shift. And that was only, what, two weeks that they shifted the season. So I think there's definitely some hurdles to be kind of potentially worried about, but I don't see it as a big, I don't see, you know, the Olympics or anything like that being a big issue, because I think for all the players that are in the NBA, that's their prime goal, you know, winning a championship or being competitive in the NBA. That's their, that's their end game. That's their goal. So I don't think it's going to be a big issue in that regard. And off the top of my head, I can't really think of any other major issues other than just getting everything lined up with the different venues and, you know, getting things mapped out because things like that, events and, you know, other concerts and stuff that are being held at these you know home stadiums. That's a big issue, too, as far as scheduling goes. But uh, at least I would assume the NBA season takes precedent over a lot of those types of events and they kind of slot out the season and then schedule concerts and stuff after that, if I'm not mistaken. And final segment of this crossover podcast coming up in just one moment. So you guys don't go anywhere. And we are back in here for our final segment of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day doing a crossover episode with the Houston Sports Talk podcast with Robert and Steven. So we'll get to the final segment of audio right now. So, Jackson, uh, let me ask you this
0: one. And this was probably the most difficult question I have for you the whole time. What are your best explanations for 2020, James Harden, what happened to him? Oh, uh, you're right. That is
1: that is a tough one, right? Um, I think it has to be a variety of factors. I, I don't I don't want to point to just any one thing, and I think it's so important to remember that James Harden, in his career with the Rockets, has shown you know his track record of excellence is you know it's one of the best stretches in that you know seven eight years that he's been with the team now. It's one of the best stretches of any player in the entire league, right? In the entire association, you know, constantly being in the discussion for the MVP award. This is the this is the first season in what four or five seasons that he's not in the discussion for the MVP award. And that's largely because of that January that he really did fall off as hard as he did. So, you know why that happened? Maybe it's physical. Maybe he just finally, you know, the the physical toll of carrying the offense for a large chunk of that early season while Westbrook was finding himself finally caught up to him. Maybe it was emotional. I mean, he there was there were some rumors about, you know, his dating life kind of on the side. And we all know what happened back when, you know, he was dating Khloe Kardashian and, you know, all the the Kardashian curse that was placed on the Rockets back in the day. So maybe it was something going on in his personal life. Um There was. The the, then it could be mental, you know, I don't know. There's there's a uh, there's a bunch of different aspects that you could look at. And it's frustrating because you look at what he was still averaging in January, which was something like, you know, 27, 28 points a game just on kind of really rough efficiency. And it's just a credence to how important he is to this team, where when he does play like an average player or does isn't playing out of his mind, the team is going to struggle. So. I'm just happy that it looked like for much of February, it looked like he'd broken out of that slump. And then regrettably, right before the hiatus took place, Rockets went one and four and they had that four game losing streak where James Harden again did look really rough. So that could be playing into it. I do think, and I've been pretty vocal about this, that small ball and going five out while it is optimizing Russell Westbrook, I don't think it's as optimal for James Harden. And I think we're slowly seeing that as James Harden is missing that pick and roll lob threat with Clint Capella. So I think that plays into it as well.
3: Yeah, that was I was just about to ask you, Jackson, about the small ball lineup. I mean, there are mixed reviews. There are pros and cons, obviously, to it. And how the Rockets have been playing defensively since the small ball lineup. What say you about it, especially if, as the Rockets, if, if they could even go deep into the postseason? I, I just feel it's going to be their downfall. But what say you? The biggest concern was how's
1: your defense going to look right after you commit to small ball? Because suddenly you don't have a big man. You don't have somebody to absorb all the rebounds. uh, You don't have somebody clogging up the paint. You don't have your defensive anchor, all these different things going on defensively. But they've largely played roughly the same as far as like their defensive rating post trade and pre-trade are the numbers are almost identical. So. With the addition of Robert Covington, you know, he still is able to, you know, be a bit of that vertical defensive presence near the basket. We saw, you know, his first six games with the Rockets or something like that, that he was average, you know, had like three blocks in a row each game or so. He tied one of Hakeem Olajuwon's streaks from like back in 94, or 95 for like three plus blocks over a six game span. So he still gives you a bit of that vertical presence on defense. And then largely, my biggest concern again is going to be. You've got this group of guys now that they're having to expel so much effort every possession. There really is, and this is the term that I've used quite often to describe small ball, is there's just a slim margin for error because traditionally you know if you have a traditional big if you've got capella back there okay you get beat on defense you know the the dribble penetration isn't contained you've got capella back there as your safety net to try and contest some shots to try and you know be your secondary guy to you know recover on defense you don't have that anymore and especially now on the rebounding battle and everything you have to rebound as a team. If even one or two players aren't, you know, boxing out or aren't, you know, rebounding by committee, then those are your weak links. And suddenly you've got loose balls that are going to the other team. You're getting beat on the offensive boards. You're giving up second chance points, very slim margin for error. So I think it can be successful. I think we saw it looking really, really nice for that six-game win streak. But then we also saw the worst versions of it when the shots weren't falling, when things looked bad, when there was no confidence in the team, no swagger during that four-game losing streak.
0: Isn't uh, Covington averaging maybe a half block more per game than Capella was when he left? I mean, that's a crazy thing.
1: Uh, yeah, it looks like it. So Robert Covington is averaging two and a half blocks a game, which is insane when you think about it. And then Clint Capella was averaging 1.8 blocks per game. So, yeah. Uh, I mean I've been I don't know about you guys, but I've been extremely impressed with Robert Covington to this point you know i there was a lot of hype surrounding him when they did make the trade. There were all the rumors even earlier this season back in you know November and December saying that the Rockets were targeting Robert Covington, and then there was the news that came out, oh nope, those rumors are false, that's not happening, and then sure enough, we make it to the February sixth trade deadline and or February fifth trade deadline, I should say, and Robert Covington gets traded for. He becomes a member of the Houston Rockets, and he has looked phenomenal in a Rockets jersey so far. What do you, How do you guys feel about him so far?
3: I've been impressed with him myself. I, I felt like, you know, of course, he played with the Rockets once before, but he wasn't near the player then that he is now. But uh, he's definitely come on in the block. Shots has actually been a little bit of a surprise to me, and he can take the outside shot every once in a while. You know, my only criticism of him is he, he takes a, a few
0: too many contested three-pointers, especially those kind of elbow threes, Jackson,
1: that that I just, I don't think are necessary a lot of times in the offense. I can see that, you know, and maybe it's just, you know, him trying to get acclimated to the Houston system. I mean, we saw it with Westbrook earlier this season where he was being largely encouraged to take as many three-pointers as possible. So maybe Robert Covington got the same message from the organization, from, you know, MDA and the rest of the coaching staff, just, hey, if you're open or even if you're, you know, slightly contested, whatever, just take the shot. And I do think that one thing that he does have as far as his three point shot is concerned is, you know, standing at six, seven with his wingspan, you know, at at seven, seven feet, two inches. You know, he shoots the ball so far above his head that he has that kind of high release and, you know, kind of a quick release too, very similar to Trevor Ariza and Trevor Ariza back in the day in his time with the Rockets. He was able to take some of those shots where you look at him and you think, OK, they're you know, they're kind of contested. But because of his release point, because of the high arch on his shot you know, it was never really a true contested shot. So I'm not, I'm not so much bothered by the shots that he's taking yet. And overall, I mean, he's shooting a pretty decent percentage as a rocket. So, you know, 35%, almost 36%. I can live with that.
0: Yeah, it's a minor quibble, but that's just the only real thing. And, you know, if you go back to the James Harden situation, James Harden, how he goes is how the Rockets go. And you got to get him going. Uh, That's the most important thing and got to get him on board because, you know, you got Westbrook doing what he's doing. So, so that's all good. But let's get to the, the other elephant in the room for this season and, and forget for a second what Tillman Tita thinks about Mike D'Antoni. Jackson, where are you on his ability as a head coach
1: and his potential to maximize the talent on this roster? I think Mike D'Antoni has served his purpose in Houston. So I would not be upset to see him go after this season. Now, if the Rockets you know, come back, you know, after the hiatus and make significant noise in the playoffs and they make a legit run at the title, which means to me, I'm talking a competitive Western conference finals at a minimum. You know, I think that is the minimum to maintain or to re retain Mike D'Antoni's services as the head coach. You know, if they don't, if they make it to the Western conference finals and they're, you know, they're out four to one or four to two, that's not good enough to me. I think we're talking at least a seven game series in the Western Conference finals or a potential finals appearance for Mike D'Antoni to stay on as Houston's coach. And I say that he's run his course in Houston or that he served his purpose, I should say, because James Harden is now largely he's he's the unlocked version of James Harden, right? Mike D'Antoni in 16-17 put the ball in James Harden's hands, said, I want you to be my point guard. Is James Harden really a point guard? No, he's just a shooting guard that handles the ball all the time. And we see that now. So you can bring in another coach, potentially somebody who has a bit more of, uh, you know, a defensive minded aspect towards the game of basketball, somebody who can kind of help more on that side of things on that side of the court. And largely the offense is going to be the same, you know, for Mike D'Antoni, for him being, you know, talked about as this offensive genius, largely the
3: Rockets offensive system. I feel like another coach could probably replicate. Yeah, my biggest criticism of Mike D'Antoni, even before he became the coach of the Rockets, just with the previous teams he's been with, has mainly been that I I just don't feel like his offensive scheme plays well into the Rockets having good defense. And I don't think it's the the type of team that can win an NBA championship. And I've I've certainly felt, you know, especially after the Golden State series, that Mike D'Antoni is just not the coach that's going to lead the Rockets to the promised land.
0: Let me ask you this. Uh, before the season was put on hold,
3: Jackson, there was some juggling and uncertainty
0: with the rotation, especially with the additions of uh, Jeff Green and Damari Carroll. What rotation would you like to see? I mean, for example, do you, do you still want to start Daniel House and, and which three or four players are coming off the bench in a playoff situation between Eric Gordon, Austin Rivers, Jeff Green, Ben McLemore, and Damari Carroll? Because at least one, if not
1: two, are likely the odd man out. I think it can largely be situational i do I do like the starting five, and I think that the numbers back up that starting five they have one of the best net ratings of any starting five across the entire league in a you know it's a smaller sample size with Robert Covington, only about i want to say ten or eleven games so far, but given that sample size, I think that's you know you do have to pay attention to those numbers and so that starting five of Westbrook Harden. Uh, House, Covington, and Tucker, I'd say don't touch that. As far as the bench goes, your first two guys off the bench have to be Austin Rivers and Eric Gordon. I think those two guys have to be the ones getting playing time, but anything past that, I think it just becomes situational. I do think Jeff Green has looked really good in his short stint with the Rockets, and he provides them a slight, again, it's not a traditional big, but he gives them a bit more size at 6'9", somebody who can maybe play a little bit over the top of the rim you know it's not going to be quite the vertical spacing that Clint Capella provided but you know I mentioned it earlier talking about the fact that James Harden doesn't look as comfortable in a five-out offense as Russell Westbrook does and I think part of kind of alleviating some of that is getting Harden back to running some more pick and roll and it doesn't have to be pick and roll with the ultimate you know with a lob threat behind it it just needs to be pick and roll getting him headed downhill towards the basket with a defender on his hip as opposed to constantly having to beat somebody off the dribble and you can use a guy like Jeff Green like Daniel House Jr. like Robert Covington even to be the role man and to keep defenses honest to help kind of space things out a little bit better for James Harden as he's attacking the basket but back to the question at hand just Jeff Green I think has earned his minutes as kind of the backup small ball five and then between Damari Carroll and Ben McLemore. I think it's just kind of, okay if they need some, you know, if they need a little bit of burst of offense off the bench, then, yeah, go Ben McLemore. If they need, you know, a bit more defensive presence, a little bit more size, um, then I think Demari Carroll has shown that he can be useful in, you know, short minutes here and there.
0: Do you think uh, with Ben McLemore, does it matter to you at all? Do you make anything of his really good on off numbers and the fact that also he is without question the most consistent Rockets three-point shooter and, and and the Rockets don't have consistent
1: three-point shooters for the most part. I look, I may be crucified for this, but so be it. I, I think Ben McLemore is the guard version of Ryan Anderson. I really do. Um, You know, we wow. saw it with Ryan Anderson, you know, as – consistent as and i'm i'm thinking more the the 16 17 and then largely the 17 18 version of ryan anderson because he really was never the same after that injury to his ankle i want to say it was and then losing the starting spot to pj tucker so that you know that portion of his season you kind of can't really look at but again you you can look historically at guys who bring just one skill to the table as far as shooting is concerned and then they're largely either just um you know league average or slightly below league average across the board elsewhere as far as you know handling the basketball, passing, defense, whatever you want to look at and largely I feel that that's the same for Ben McLemore. I think that he is a guy who in the playoffs is going to be hunted relentlessly on switches and isn't good enough as an individual one-on-one defender to hold his own. And unless he's sinking everything on the offensive end, then I don't see him getting consistent playoff minutes. I can see him getting maybe 10 minutes a game here or there during the spurts where they really need to space the floor and have a lethal three point shot out there. But past that, I don't see him getting consistent minutes.
3: Let me ask you about Daniel House and just my my biggest, I guess, concern with him is that I just feel like he he is just not consistent. Consistency seems to be his biggest problem for me. Some nights he he looks like he could be not a superstar, but but a good role player. And then other nights it looks like he's just in another world. What do you think? I think that's true. I I think that Daniel House is, if you do,
1: if you had to kind of sum up his season in – uh, in one word, it might be you know inconsistency, because there have been some games, like you said, where he you know maybe not quite a superstar level, but he does look like he can be that you know one of those key rotation pieces that can you know have a have a really strong game here or there, and then other games he 's just really quiet, and I think part of that comes from maybe inconsistent uh, inconsistency in the the volume of shots that he gets per game. You know, some games you look and he's got, you know, eight three point attempts and then other games you look and he's only taken two shots or something. So maybe that's just inconsistency in the offense to where he's not able to find uh, his rhythm on a game by game basis. Maybe it's lack of aggression. You know, we've seen earlier in the season where, you know, he's he was being extremely aggressive taking the ball off dr- off the dribble driving it in very frequently. I haven't seen a lot of that from him in the past probably 10 to 15 games or so. It, it feels like his ability to, you know, fake the 3 and drive in to try and attempt, you know, to draw a foul or to finish at the rim has largely disappeared. And so maybe some of the aggression is gone from his game and that's kind of impacting the rest of his uh mentality towards the offensive side of the basketball. But I do think defensively he does give you size. He gives you athleticism. He gives you a guy who can be, you know, kind of physical on that side of the ball. And he's not going to be, you know, he's not your PJ Tucker or your Austin rivers level of defense, but his physical attributes give him an inherent advantage on that side of the ball. When he's locked in and engaged,
0: I just thought of one more glass half full, uh, Jackson. All right, let's do it. The Rockets gm is not bill (laughs) o'brien
1: you can make that a double glass half you could make that you could you could take two glass half fulls and make one full glass and say that he's not the gm nor is he the head coach right i love it i love it
0: oh my goodness oh brother don't even get me started but uh, uh, let me ask you this have you purchased one of daryl morey's daughter's rockets themed corona mask yet you got one of those on order
1: I have not, you know, I did, I did it the cheap way and, you know, I do a lot of, uh, just very quick, uh, not great whatsoever, like Snapchat, photoshops on, on Twitter. That's, you know, I kind of do that just jokingly all the time. And so I actually, uh, did that. I took the picture that he posted on IG and I kind of cropped the mask off. And so that's sitting on my Twitter avatar right now. So I have one, but did I buy it? Absolutely not. Not yet.
0: I know everybody's in desperate need of entertainment right now. So explain how you're trying to make things
1: fun and what you're doing on the podcast during the work stoppage. Well, you know, we are, you know, we're locked on rockets, which means it's your team every day. So we're still putting a podcast out there five days a week, Monday through Friday. And we're doing a bunch of different fun things. You know, we've got we're doing uh, rewatches for the you know Rockets Twitter community which you know I'll probably talk about that a little bit in the podcast as well we're doing things like simulated NBA 2K games to kind of talk about things from that angle going in and doing these You know, deep diving player analysis pieces where we really focus in on, you know, how James Harden's season has been or Russell Westbrook's season. And then coming up, you know, as we go navigate through this hiatus, we have other different plans. Obviously, we'll do lots of different guests on the podcast. We'll bring people in and kind of, you know, hear from others around the NBA. So it's not just, you know, I don't like Locked on Rockets to be just an echo chamber about Rockets thoughts. I like bringing in different kinds of voices and opinions so that we can kind of understand the NBA better at large rather than just, you know, in our own little corner of Rockets knowledge. Um, but lots of different things that we're trying to do to keep things fun and fresh. Uh, past Tuesday, I did a trash talk thread where we crowned the king of Rockets trash talk, which can you guys take a stab at who you think the king of Rockets trash talk is? It's, it's got to be Mad Max, right? There we go. Yeah. You, yeah. yeah. You hit the nail on that. That would make sense. Max. You know, he, because he was, you know, the king of trash talk while he was a player. And then I think just like a fine wine, right? It's only gotten better with age. His Twitter trash talk game is unbelievable.
0: Yeah. No, no doubt. I mean, that's, it's the best rocket Twitter to follow. I, I, I heard uh, one of the guys on the radio said, I, I don't, I just have a hard time believing that that's, vernon's vernon's handling his account i i, I think he is jackson I, it sounds like him to uh, me. they obviously
3: don't know vernon maxwell
0: very
1: well then <laughs> i was gonna say you know, i mean it, it'd be impressive if somebody was ghostwriting those tweets for him but i really think they're coming straight from the mouth of vernon maxwell
0: yeah I, I definitely i definitely think so and and just a reminder like if you aren't following jackson on twitter which you should be by now at jt gatlin at lockdown Rockets. We can't thank you enough for joining us and also, Jackson, for just pulling your mask away from your mouth so we understood
1: everything you said. (laughs) Oh, yes. I'll make sure to put it back on and, you know, keep the Corona at bay as soon as we're done recording.
0: Hey, a couple of quick notes. Uh, thanks again. Before we say goodbye, uh, please check out our Throwback Thursday podcast while you're looking for ways to pass the time in the next few weeks. The last one is my conversation with Fly Slam guard Reed Geddes who shared some cool stories about Akeem the Dream, Clyde the Glide, and some nobody named Michael Jordan. Also, a few weeks ago, I had a 1980s Rockets legend, Rodney the Freight Train McRae. And you might also look for my conversation with Houston sports radio icon, Barry Warner, who shared Yao Ming stories. Uh, before I close out the show, a quick reminder that we're brought to you by Any Lab Test Now. They're the quick and easy way to get direct access lab testing when you're trying to manage your healthcare budget. 15 Houston area locations to choose from. Their website, www.anylabtestnow.com. That's Any Lab Test Now. Com. And, oh, happy
1: 31st birthday, Justin James Watt. Happy birthday, brother. Happy birthday to J.J. Watt indeed. He's not a Houston Rocket, but still a Houston icon. So with that, hopefully you guys enjoyed today's crossover episode with the Houston Sports Talk podcast team. As always, look forward to having you guys back here very soon at Locked on Rockets to continue talking all things Houston Rockets basketball.